0: Good morning. good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Scott. I'm excited to be preaching this morning as we get into our Y series week two. Thanks for Jacob Bullen for doing that intro video. Did a wonderful job completing that. Real quick, because last time I was up here, some middle school boys got me good, and I'm impressed by their mischievousness. They got a name tag on my back. Everyone good? Okay. I'm just making sure because there was a lot of confusion. Why is Pastor Scott have a name tag on his back? Is that part of the sermon somehow? That was just them and they're brilliant. So well done, middle school guys. <laughs> this series is called Why, and I'm excited as we get into week two of this. We're answering your questions that you've submitted, uh, it's sometimes anonymously, sometimes with your name attached. And they're tough questions, They're difficult to get into, and as we come together, we're going to set forth some different ideas on how to answer the ones we're going to get into this morning. That said, go back sometime this week and re-listen to Pastor Mike's sermon, even if you were here. uh, It's a great message on the idea of how to wrestle with substances, specifically alcohol, but a way in which we can prayerfully and as a community go forward. I think it's a great uh, first Message in this series. Uh, This week we're getting into some more theological realm of understanding how God is speaking. And these questions are the ones that were submitted. How does God have and guide an individual relationship with people? In the Bible, he talks to people, but how does God talk now? Why did the Holy Spirit prevent Paul from teaching in Asia? Was it that there was a new church wasn't ready for Asia or Asia wasn't ready for Christians? And all these questions, or uh, sorry, this specific one, this last one, comes from Acts 16.6. It says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit by preaching the word in the province of Asia. These three questions, they all kind of combine into the same similar core question. It's this, how does one discern God's voice and will in someone's life? This is a difficult question. Understanding why the Holy Spirit said yes to Asia, or not, sorry, no to Asia, yes to Europe is, is one thing. But the other parts of these questions understand where is God speaking to me or to people around me? Now, some of us are meddlers, right? And we love to meddle in other people's lives. And sometimes we throw these phrases out like, oh, God's telling me or God's asking me or God's telling me to tell you. And that's a dangerous thing to do, to be. One of my least favorite aspects of going to college at University of Nebraska, go Huskers, was that we were part of different ministry groups and I would often hear the phrase, well, God is telling me to break up with you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just either break up with a person or don't in college, right? Don't bring the divine word of telling you that this is specific. But understanding in all seriousness, joking aside, understanding how and where and why and through what means God speaking to you is an extremely important understanding of trying to discern that together. So with that, I want to understand our interpersonal relationships here can be quite instructive on this understanding of relationship to us and God. To find direction, all of us have a sound of a woman's voice in our ears constantly. You think I'm talking about an actual woman? No, Alexa, Siri, Google. Come on, y'all. Don't think I'm implying something here, did you? But these women's voices were made because it's easier for the original developers of those technologies to format a sound of a woman's voice versus a male's voice. I don't know why, it's just how computers work, I guess. But the idea of hearing these voices saying, turn left, turn right, up ahead, go straight, merge onto the bypass, these directions that we get through these voices are also ones that we maybe unintentionally give to one another throughout our days. When understanding Paul's direction, for us understanding how we hear God's voice or how does God move in relationship, we have to understand how we're communicating, number one, with one another. But more importantly, and this is where it becomes serious, the ways in which we believe God's voice and leading will reveal much about our own faith and our belief in God as it reveals about our belief to one another. If I believe God is calling me to do something, and if I'm not doing it, it carries extreme consequences either way. See, this is how cults start, friends. Ideas like the Crusades, Manifest Destiny, Women's Suffrage, even today's political divisions around the, and wars around the globe are fueled by a belief that God is calling to us at different times. And to be blunt and 100% serious, many a historical and contemporary movement will have damning consequences by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So this morning I want to challenge many of us on how we can discern and hear what God's pleasing will is for us, both practically and in some ways very simple steps. But for some of us it'll be complete reorientation of my own faith. I want to be delicate on both ends. I'd like us to turn scripturally to Romans twelve for a biblical base and what we're going to use to convey kind of as a tuning fork for many of our principles that I'll bring forward this morning. And Pastor Mike last week got a great overview of the book of Romans. To add to this, I wanna help us understand that as an infant church, the church in Rome was very confused on a lot of different topics. Rome was a capital of the known political world at this time, and the church in Rome was a very diverse group of people. And Paul writes to them in such a layered book that I'm very against doing a sermon series on Romans because there's so many things that in Romans chapter one to Romans chapter 12, you have to unpack and understand that it's talking amongst itself in different sections of the book. And so for a preacher or for any group to just take one chapter or one verse is very dangerous. So I'd encourage you as you go through your week, not only to listen to Pastor Mike's sermon last week, but to read the entirety of the book of Romans in one sitting, Take it 10, 20, 30 minutes, maybe 40. But the idea of sitting and understanding as Paul unpacks his theology to the church in Rome is helpful as I cherry-pick a verse here this morning. (laughs) So with that in mind, we're gonna look at chapter 12, starting with verse 1 and verse 2 of our two verses this morning. Paul starts this way. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And And I put in the italicized on the therefore. Because what Paul does is he says, the entire first 11 chapters will help us understand what this now new thought is. Therefore is a huge word. I mean, it takes the ideas that Paul sets forward of, two, of, of a new Adam, you know, the original Adam and Eve that this one guy, he, he sins and he gets kicked out of the garden. Well, there's a new Adam named Jesus and Jesus comes and he restores everything and gives us the opportunity for a new life. And then Paul gets to chapter eight and there's this beautiful passage, beautiful chapter, Romans 8 where he really just sets forth, here's the gospel and here's what it means to be a new person. And all of a sudden, er, Paul takes a little segue, a little detour in chapters nine through 10 and 11. And he talks about the idea of, well, if, if everyone is new in Christ and this new Adam, the original promise keepers of the covenant, those Israelites, they're important too. And it's kind of confusing. If you don't understand the whole entirety of the Old Testament, it's really confusing. And so we have this build up to this therefore, therefore, you Romans, And you, E3ers, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The command in the verb to offer your bodies is a present tense verb saying, you are continually offering up your entire self. And the idea of body is not just this stuff. It's the body, it's the mind, it's the heart, it's the soul, wherever the soul is. And Paul says, give up your entire selves to God. This is actually true worship. Some of you say, well, Pastor Scott, we just had amazing worship up here, and we did. Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. Worship here week in, week out is amazing. But friends, Paul says it's not just for 25 minutes on a Sunday, or when you have your radio station tuned to K-Love, or when you're having a moment in the car. It's constantly offering up your entire self as true and proper worship. And he continues, verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We see this, both a negative and a positive that Paul gives in back-to-back phrases. The first one, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He's saying, stop looking around saying that somehow the world's gonna give you what you need. No, 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 no. Culture is not okay in the Roman time. And obviously today in 2023 is perfect, right? There's nothing dividing us, right? First of all, it's 2024. Oh, it's 2024, thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> That's why we have two gatherings so I can make sure I do this right. 2024, thank you, Lindsay. In 2024, there's nothing dividing us, yes. 2023, very bad. 2024, perfect, idyllic. No, no, no. Paul's saying, "What? do not conform to this pattern. And the idea of a pattern is, is what a blacksmith was using, pouring in the, the metal and it softens and there's this pattern in which it's gonna form into, I always think of swords because I'm a guy and I love swords as a kid. This idea of like a sword being melted into this pattern where if you have a bad pattern, it's gonna be a bad overall pattern mold. He says, no, just throw away all of them. And on the positive side, the second half of the verse, transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's clear. How, how do I renew my mind? Well, it's partly chapters one through nine. And then nine, 10, and 11, you know, those, those are okay too. But then chapter 12, he says all of that. But it's more of a sense of being testing out your paths of where God is leading, what his good and perfect will is. And so that's where I want to spend this morning, understanding that it's a both end, The pattern of this world, we have to discern what's just a bad mold, what's good, what can we hold on to, and then also renewing our minds and understanding in Paul's day and age what that may mean. See, for Paul, these ancient Romans struggled with things like dietary restrictions, as we heard last week. They struggled with temple worship of false gods, most of us in our daily commutes don't go by a temple where people are actively worshiping false deities. Paul's day, extreme economic division of wealthy and poverty. We don't have that today, right? <laughs> Threats from an outside empire and outside barbarians and even to an empire that seemed to bring peace, but it's a false peace. And so people would pledge this great allegiance in terms of their religious faith to an empire that brought prosperity. We don't do that. And the concept of what is holy and what is not holy. The first church in Paul's day was constantly reinventing and reorienting itself. When the church or when a Christian individually is unwilling to reconsider and recast itself, unwilling to adapt and move where God may be calling, there are grave consequences both for the church or for the individual Christian. But there's times also where one is too malleable Well, they have no mold, and so they have no sense of who they are or what the ideals they are standing upon. There are seasons and centuries where God is quiet comparatively to generations prior. And then there are seasons and centuries where God is literally shaking and moving the earth. Paul was a part of one of those. And due to extreme changes in our culture in the past 50 years, but friends, even more importantly, extreme changes in the last five, you think about, it's 2024, Thank you. (laughs) Think about 2019, how differently that felt. Some of you were sitting here in 2019, but literally anyone who has alive in 2019, compare 2019 to 2024, that there is a vast change in our world. And I believe that God is gonna start moving and shaking and talking a little bit louder. More on that in a moment. It is a pattern of understanding God's unveiling will in your life Understanding how to renew it with the lives of those around you is just as important. Some rules of faith have been the pattern of our world for over 2,000 years. Some rules of our faith have been only been the last 20. And some of us create rules of faith of understanding this mold for just about two months maybe. It is understanding that history changes, lives change, and the word of God is alive and active, can be vastly reinterpreted if needed. It's through this thought, I want to give you some guidelines to how to discern what is good, what is renewing of my mind. In light of the patterns of our world and many generations, they'll progress in difficulty as we hear them practically. To do this, and you know that I love to do this in almost every sermon I give, I want to interact a little bit with you all just a little bit. And this mirrors from an experiment that I did as a sixth grade class where my teacher would be in the middle of a long lecture of boring math applications and boring math explanations, and they would quietly and calmly state, if you're listening at this moment to my rhythm and voice, you have no homework. Now, everyone, please clap your hands two times. The people who didn't hear the first part of that would also be jolted out of this kind of slumber daze, right? And they'd say, oh, I, I should start listening now. But the clear point that they wanted to hear was what I said before, clap your hands two times. And he'd also then have this beautiful idea of if you clapped your hands, you were actually listening. And it was so funny because every single day, the next day, people would bring in these fake homework sheets and hand them in and he would just giggle and laugh. And he'd grade them to know if help of their own, except to do probably extra homework. But of course, I listened every single time, Hmm. So it's in this view, and in this, in this understanding, I'm gonna give the first of three different ideas of how to discern what is God's will in my life. Number one, it is hard to listen. It's hard to listen, but God is still speaking. If you don't believe me, talk to someone who's on a missionary trip to places like India or China. I mean, God is actively speaking in places like that. I just got back from Uganda just a little bit over a month ago. God is actively speaking very loudly in places there. What's hard is sometimes God's speaking, and sometimes it's just the pattern of the world, people trying to use God's voice for their own gain, right? And so we saw both there in Uganda. Trips to places like Guatemala, which I encourage you all to consider in your testimonies. Going outside of these walls of our country and going to a new place and a new orientation, can how do you hear God's voice vastly different. But it's also this idea that we're just horrible listeners. I love this clip from Bruce Almighty we're gonna put on the screens without sound. due to copyright infractions. <laughs> but this clip here, Bruce is driving and he's saying, God, speak to me. If you're still out there, speak to me. Very early on in the movie, before, he just lost his promotion and he's in this horrible torment thing. My whole life is ruined. Just speak to me, God. And as you watch these images come on the screen, you can see, hey, God's speaking according to the director of the movie, in very, very subtle, but also very profound ways. And as the viewer of the movie, it's almost funny, but a little bit also sad. Because as an outside viewer of his life and knowing that God portrayed beautifully it is speaking in these very subtle ways and only gives Bruce a little bit of power only over his local municipality, this idea of God is working in his life It's happening to each and every one of us in this room, right? And what's difficult is that in every moment of my life in 2024, I'm constantly needing some sort of sound, some sort of noise, some sort of background information. Even in this room right now, if I stop speaking, you still hear some white noise. Ready? Only in profound moments where we can find a space where there is literally no sound is sometimes where God is speaking to us and we just drown him out. Oftentimes, I drown out God's voice when it's something I don't want to do. Because when people say, God's not speaking in my life, well, God's probably telling you something you don't want to do. And so you turn up the radio louder or turn the news on louder or you start talking loudly over other things that are happening in your life, trying just to drown out that noise. Friends, it is hard to listen. But sometimes we need to take that moment and find a quiet space just to hear from God. Sometimes that means a different posture, a different style of prayer, a totally different space and rhythm. But sometimes we have to do the same practice over and over and over. Many people in my age range had this thing in church in the 90s called a quiet time. I love quiet times. But sometimes a quiet time can be just a rote. And almost this this monotonous time where I'm doing the same Bible verse and there's times where God will speak to me there but there's times where I need to reorient my quiet time and I need to go walking where I need to come and start singing worship music just for myself not for anybody else sometimes hearing God's voice speak I need to understand that I need another voice to speak in kind of like watching this movie of Bruce Almighty I need somebody else to observe my life and tell me where I'm out of order because that sometimes is listening and that's where the role as a brother or a sister in Christ can make a huge difference in hearing God. Most of the times when people come and say, I need pastoral advice or I need some sort of time to meet with me, it's just me listening and letting them talk. And I just make an observation. Hey, sounds like you're really anxious about blank. Maybe you should stop doing blank because you have a lot of anxiety around that. No, that can't be it, Pastor Scott. You know, it's, it's way more complicated than that. No, it's sometimes very simple. See, God still speaks. God uses signs. He uses a vision of something. The other week, I was just in a time of prayer. And also, this picture of a person's head came in my, my, my vision. I haven't talked to this person for a long time. I should reach out, call them. Oh my gosh, I'm in this horrible crisis right now. Please help me. I'm, I'm in debt. I'm in a holding place. My family's moved with me, and I'm in a total chaos. I don't, that would have happened had not God put his face in my mind's eye. Sometimes it's an emotion. Sometimes God calls us to an action. I love those stories, where inexplicably you're moved to pick up a gallon of milk, and inexplicably you run into somebody who is on their last meal, and they just, gallon of milk, that's where God picked it up and told me to do that. There's all those stories out there. These often correlate, I believe, to the part of God's body that God has put you in. See, if you're a part of Jesus's body, his eyes, you can see things better. If your ears, you can hear things better. Sometimes, if your mouth, sometimes you speak the right words. And it all comes back into this next section of Romans that follows what we studied in Romans chapter twelve, verse three and through eight. It's beautiful that God has placed us in all these places where sometimes we can hear or see or think or sense that God is moving us in a way where we fit in Christ's body perfectly. Which relates us to the second point I want to make in discerning what God's will is. Number two, you are not the most important person in God's story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are all cells in Christ's body. But we are not the only cell. When we are tempted to become that, and I use this analogy without any joke and understand the seriousness of this comparison, when we think we're the only cell in Christ's body, we become cancerous. Cancer does not care about any other cell. Cancer only cares about itself and its ability to be the most important thing, so it destroys. But for those who care about where God is leading, we have a humility about us. I love verse three in Romans 12. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. The error of the last season of the church is that God somehow chose you. And this jives with the Gen X and millennial speak that many of us heard. You are special. You can be president. Statistically, not everyone can be president. We have elections every four years, right? And for every Gen X and millennial to be president, it's just not gonna work in your lifetime. Now, God rejoices in every single person who follows and we should continue to embrace that side of it. But we have to stop ourselves. When we think that I'm the number one person in God's story. That somehow God made me super duper special. And everyone else is this. Eh. Which leads us to number three. God calls through one's full testimony life. But also after <laughs> one's life. As a young man, I felt called to ministry. But that came about a very, kind of almost horrific way where my pastor in a Methodist church that I met with as an 18-year-old, I was thinking about I was gonna go do computer programming, make a bunch of money, have a successful life, cool car, yay. But this pastor came to me and says, I think you should think about ministry, Scott. I'm like, yeah, I can think about that. And he said, you need to be listening for God's calling in your life. And he made this big deal about calling. And he kept saying the word calling. I'm like, okay, so God's gonna come to me just like in all these books in the Bible and God's gonna say, Scott, you should be a minister. <laughs> minister, minister. And it has to echo. And so I was, okay, I got to do the things. I got to read the Bible without any outside help. I just started reading the Bible, started in Genesis, went to Exodus, then Leviticus, Numbers, and I'm like, this is not helping. <laughs> I got I to do prayers. I got I to pray the right prayers. I have to go to the right places. I have to do the right things. And I kept looking for this moment where God's going to be like, God, you know, and the, and the light's going to shine down from heaven or a, at least a dove or maybe even a deer or even a rabbit. I take a rabbit would somehow speak to me like in a Disney movie, something profound, right? And so I was just seeking for this, 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, 21. And finally, I was like, okay, maybe I should just temper it down a little bit. We went on an overseas trip with a Nebraska band over to Ireland, and I was in Westminster Abbey, and this beam of light shone down from the the, the chapel there while the choir singing, and it's this this most beautiful church. This beam of light, like, lines on me, and I had this this gall, I was my 21-year-old, to all of a sudden rekindle the saying, this is the moment, finally. This beam of light is gonna shine, and all of a sudden, somebody's gonna come up to me and pray over me and say that I'm called into ministry, and so I waited and waited, and the service ended. like, oh. I didn't hear God's voice. Maybe, maybe I'm broke. Maybe I am not called the ministry. Maybe I should think about other things. And so I started thinking about other things. And I diverted from even thinking about God for, for a considerable amount in my 21-year-old. And I realized in, in this moment, looking back upon that, how foolish and how short-sighted and how egotistical I was in listening for God's voice. But it relates to this point that we put either too little or too much pressure on hearing from God. What I was caught up in and what many of us hear is an idea of a reformed way of thinking. And it comes from a 15th century reformer named John Calvin that God has every moment in my days planned and every breath is in this book that he's written about my life. And our lives, we believe, look like this, where I have you know, day 47 of year 12 in the day of our Lord, I will go to the bathroom. And then after that, I will go in and I'll have Fruit Loops and not Cinnamon Toast Crunch because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is not in this book because that has an impact. Because right now, if I have Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the sugar output will ruin this section. But Fruit Loops, God's holy cereal, will help me as I get into this section of my life, Right? And this beautiful book and every single relationship and every single time I look at a person is a divine appointment that God has foreknown since the beginning of time. And so we have these little platitudes that we hear of. This God's plan. God has something better for my life. With every mountain there comes what? A valley. Or conversely, with every valley there comes a? Mountain. I can do all things. Thank you. I even see, I've seen several of these on my Facebook feed this past week. As a worship team comes out, I want to throw a different idea towards you. That instead of this idea that God knows literally every single thing, and I don't have to, as Paul states, discern what's next and what's good in my life, be transformed in my thinking, to put away the molds of this world, what if when you open up your life book, it's blank? Kind of. Alarming, right? A little bit revealing, right? But if I have a blank book, how freeing is that to the next steps of my life that I would also have to yearn for God's voice and maybe I could invite God to help co-author my book, to be the inspiration for how I'm going to live my life, to understand that God knows how many pages I actually have in this book and may make some changes on how I might live my life. See, it wasn't some God moment where I felt a call into ministry. It was from 21 years old and not feeling this moment in Westminster Abbey to 22 and 23 and 24 and saying, okay, I'm gonna try out seminary. And realizing that this beautiful woman, I gotta drop out of seminary and come back and marry her first. I'm glad I did. And then going back to seminary at Asbury and then 26 and 27 and 28, that's when we're gonna start the adoption process so then perfectly when I'm 30, I can now have a child. No, wait, hold on. Surprise. You have six weeks to get ready for your firstborn. And from that moment to reorient and invite God saying through this painful process called life, when I submit to your authorship, it's so much more freeing for me to live a life that is holy and to understand that Scripture often applies directly to me, but sometimes Scripture does not apply equally at different moments of my life. And understanding the full testimony of my life that before there was Scott, there was a whole people who were looking forward to Scott, including God. During my lifetime, I can live out a life that is going towards holiness and not towards selfishness. And after Scott, there's a legacy of a life that has been lived, co-authored by God, and primarily authored by God, that I can attest back to, not just for my children, but for grandchildren and great-grandchildren. This idea of God writing in his words what my life will be is somewhat reorienting to people in this room. See, in contrast to Calvin, I see the authority and power over my life that comes from God, and God is alongside every decision I make when I will listen, when I'll humbly submit to God, Father, God's Son, and God, Holy Spirit. In a moment, we're gonna take that step where we physically say, God, be a part of authoring my life story and coming up and accepting the gift he gave us, what he commanded us to do and saying, take my body and my blood. But before we do that, I'd like to invite us just to a moment of of time to reflect upon this message in my own walk. And so I invite you just to have a moment of silence. Our worship team will start playing, and then as you feel led to come up and accept these elements of body and blood as we continue to worship. Here at Element 3 Church, we use gluten-free bread, and we have an open table, meaning you don't have to be a member of this church or of any church, but only profess that Jesus is Lord and God is author of my life book, You are welcome to eat this table we have set before us. We invite you to take a a bit of bread, a cup of juice, and remain seated with those as we go through the song, and then we'll take those all together as we close our service this morning. With that, let us bless the elements and enter into a time of silent prayer and reflection, where God is moving and speaking in my life. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for this ability, for to bring us here at this time and place. And for those that have come before us, for those who are here right now and those who will come after, God, I pray that you would help us discern where you are leading, what your voice is saying. And for some of us, it's an audible word from you. It's maybe even hearing our name spoken from you for the very first time, that's what we need to hear. For some, it's an understanding of an image, a smell, a yearning to a place that we're called to. And yet for others, God, it is more of a physical act. And that act may be coming up and receiving this communion set before us here this morning. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus set forth these simple elements and reinterpreted the entire Old Testament into a new message of hope. We're not bound by endless sacrifice, but we are bound by the gift of eternal life that is found through you. And so as we take you inside ourselves, may you transform our inside to our outside in reorienting our life towards a life of you. And Lord, we admit that we often struggle in this and we often choose our own selfless desires. And God, I pray a prayer of forgiveness over anyone who's struggling right now in their faith walk. That they would no longer think that it's about rights and wrongs, but it's more about allowing you to move and discern in their life where you're leading. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing over these elements, over this time of prayer. And God, may your spirit speak in all the ways it can to us here this morning right now. For those online, I pray the same prayer, that you would be with them as they hear this, as they prepare their own elements, and that we would, one, come together, and two, co-discern where you're leading, God. We ask this blessing over the elements and over our time of silent prayer. We say together, amen.